This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let me invite you to take God's Word. Go with me into the New Testament and find the Gospel according to Mark. The Gospel 14, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 1, and beginning in verse number 14. The Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. I want you to notice this phrase we find in verse number 17. When the Bible said, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. I want to speak to you on that subject this evening. Come ye after me. In other words, the Lord Jesus is saying, as he said in another place, Follow me. Follow me. Come ye after me. The students of the scripture will understand that the events that take place in verse number 14 and verse number 13 really cover a period of at least six months, perhaps even a year, uh, the, the time period rather between these two verses. For example, uh, the events that are recorded in the early chapters of the gospel according to John uh, are not found in the gospel according to Mark. For example, uh, the first miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ performed at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, that is not recorded here, but it happened between verse 13 and verse 14. Uh, not only did that event happen, but the cleansing of the temple at Jerusalem and the Lord's visit to Samaria to see the woman at the well. And of course, his original introduction to Peter, uh, who was known as Simon, and Andrew, and James, and John, are not found in this gospel according to Mark. But we know that when he encountered these men, he had met them earlier. They had a knowledge of him. They witnessed his baptism. And they understood that he was the Messiah. 
And now he has returned into Galilee and he is preaching. And notice what he is preaching. The Bible says here in verse number 14, he is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ has a mission and he had a mission that he was involved in fully and engaged in fully. And that mission was to establish his kingdom. And then he had a method that he employed in fulfilling his mission. And that method was preaching the message of the gospel. And that is the message that the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the method that the Lord Jesus Christ uses in these hours in which we live. The preaching of the gospel. And so we see that he is going about on his mission to establish the kingdom of God. Now let me just pause here and say some things about the kingdom of God. And we understand that this kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It is also a millennial kingdom that will be visible and physical. And it also will become an eternal and everlasting kingdom. At present, this kingdom, the kingdom of God, it is an invisible kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem them from sin, to translate them, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And so those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. We have been translated, we have been changed over into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. Now that kingdom will continue until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. At his second coming, Jesus will establish on this earth a visible physical kingdom. And he will rule and reign for a thousand years. At the conclusion of the thousand years, Satan, who will be bound during that thousand year millennial kingdom, will be loosed. And Satan will gather together enemies of God and come against the Lord one final time. With just the word of his mouth, Jesus will overthrow Satan and all the enemies. After 1,000 years of his righteous, perfect, holy rule upon this earth, can you imagine there will still be those who rebel against him? And he will destroy them. And the millennial kingdom will come to an end. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the Lord Jesus Christ will therefore rule in his eternal kingdom. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is going about here in the gospel according to Mark in chapter 1 in verse number 14. He is going about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He has been announced as the king by Mark. John the forerunner has gone before him to make the way and prepare the hearts of the people through his preaching in Judea. Many have been converted or uh, many have been turned away from their sin through repentance and the baptism of John and they have turned their heart back to the Lord. And now the Lord Jesus Christ having been baptized presenting himself 
as the king, having been pronounced from heaven by his father uh, and having, having proven himself authoritatively as the king with power over Satan, he embarks upon his public ministry in Galilee. And as he goes about it, preaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom, the Bible tells us in verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. And then the Bible tells us in verse number 19, and when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And we find an amazing thing about this kingdom is not only that you and I can be delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, not only can we be incorporated into the kingdom of God, but we can serve alongside the king. We can give our lives to further the work of the kingdom. And we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, who can do the work all by himself, but chooses to allow us to partner together with him in this work. And that's why we're here tonight as part of his church. We are his ambassadors. We are his servants. We are his children. And we're involved in the work of the kingdom. I want you to note three things we see as the Lord Jesus Christ extends this invitation to these disciples, come ye after me. We're going to see the call he extended to them. Then we're going to note the change he made in them. And then the commission he gave to them. I want you to see first of all the call he extended to them. We see it again in verse number 17. He said, come ye after me. There's the invitation. There is the request, but not simply an invitation and not simply a request, but a command that the Lord gives to those who know him. The Bible tells us in verse number 20, having seen James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were mending their nets, the Bible says in verse 20, and straightway he called them. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ called these men. As I said, they, they had been made aware of him. They had been introduced to him. They had encountered him. They heard the pronouncement of John. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. They were aware of his power and of his miracles and the claims of, of who he was. And now he is calling them to himself. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is the call that the Lord Jesus Christ has extended to us and that is that we follow him. That's the call. That's why you're here tonight. It, it's not just simply fulfilling a religious obligation. It is that we might follow him. And by the way, that following does not simply take place on Sunday or Wednesday. It is a constant daily pursuit that we must live out, that we would follow Jesus. By the way, aren't you glad you have someone to follow? 
There's a lot of people who are wandering aimlessly through life. Just this week, we've seen multitudes of reports of howling mobs, misguided people living in darkness, trying to bring about some social order to make things as they perceive them to be right and just. But they're groping in the darkness, aren't they? On both sides of the political divide, they're groping in the darkness, but we're not groping in darkness. We have light, and we're to follow that light that God has given to us. And as we follow the light, God gives us more light. But if we reject the light and we walk in darkness, we get more darkness. And we're living in a world that is filled with darkness. And God has called us out of that darkness and into the light. And he has called us to follow him. Now, I want you to notice some things about this call. First of all, it is a call to faith. It's a call to faith. The question that these disciples had to answer as they heard the command of the Lord Jesus Come ye after me. Here's the question they had to answer. Do I believe in him? Do I believe? Do I have faith in him? Do I believe in who he is and who he claims to be that he is the son of God? If I do believe that, then really what alternative do I have but to follow him? You see, I think many people, they want, they want the benefits of salvation without living the life of salvation. Let me explain what I mean by that. They want to go to heaven. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe just enough to be saved. But they don't trust Him and believe in Him enough to yield their lives completely to Him and to follow Him on a daily basis. That's why if you survey the churches in Hickory, you're going to find probably today there are more people in our town who are not in church than who are. But if you ask them, do you believe in Jesus? I imagine many of those who do not fill the churches would say, oh yes, I believe. If you ask them, do you read the Bible? If you ask them, do you follow Christ's commands? Do you obey him? They might say, well, no, but I believe in him. And so this is a call to faith. Do you believe? And if you believe, then you must answer this call. Not only is it a call to faith, but it is a call to forsake. Notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says in, in verse 17, and Jesus saith unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. The Bible says in verse 20, speaking of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Here we find that they forsook what they knew. They forsook the life that they lived so that they might obtain the life that Jesus had for them. I think of Moses. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11. You remember the story of Moses. He was the son of an Israelite couple. 
And he was born in a very dangerous time. He was condemned to die by the very nature that he was a boy of the nation of Israel. The Pharaoh had pronounced a death sentence and commanded that all the midwives kill all the boys who were born to the Israelite women. These midwives feared God and they spared Moses. His mother hid him as long as she could. She put him in the Nile River when she couldn't hide him anymore. She put him in a, in a basket. Uh, the Bible calls it an ark. And she placed that, that basket into the river and the daughter of the Pharaoh came and she found him in that river and she had compassion on him. She loved him and she took him to be her son. And she raised him as an Egyptian. At the same time, she needed a nurse. And so his sister, Moses' sister, watching from the bank, offered the services of his mother. Unbeknownst to her, the Pharaoh's daughter, she was going to hire the mother of the baby to raise the boy. And he did, and she did. She nursed him and weaned him for a period of time. We don't know exactly how long. But just imagine just a few short years that she had with him. But the Bible says that when Moses was come to years, though he was raised in an Egyptian home, though he was educated in Egyptian schools, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose <clears throat> to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And the Bible concludes with this statement about his actions and his choices. By faith, he forsook Egypt. If we're going to follow Jesus, then we are called to believe, we're called to faith, but we're also called to forsake the world. The world has a lot to tell us about life, but it's all wrong. We must follow Jesus. It's a call to faith, it's a call to forsake, but it's a call to follow. Notice what happens when these disciples receive the call. The Bible said, and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. If we're going to follow him, we have to, number one, we have to obey him. And this obedience does not need to be delayed. If I get around to it, I'll follow him. No, it needs to be immediate action. Not only do we see here that it is a call to obey, this call to follow, but it's a call to learn. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He said, learn of me. This is a call to learn. These disciples who were going to follow Jesus, they were going to obey him by leaving the things of the world behind and by pursuing him, leaving all their goals and dreams behind, leaving all the things that the world told them they needed to do behind and following Jesus, obeying him and learning Something radical and something new. The message of the kingdom of God. That runs contrary to the world. And we need to learn of our Savior. 
We need to learn of his kingdom. We need to learn his word. And so this call to follow is a call to obey and a call to learn. It's a call to trust. To trust that what the Lord has for us is greater than anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. A call to serve. Not to serve ourselves and our own self-interests, but to serve him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's a call to abide, to dwell with him, to fellowship with him, and to commune with him. This is the call he extended to them. I want you to note, secondly, the change he made in them. The Bible says in verse number 17, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. That's, that's our part. <clears throat> our part is to answer the call. Our part is to obey and to believe. That's our part. But notice what happens when we do that. He said in verse 17, and I will make you to become fishers of men. There is a transformation that he promises. There is a work that he will do in our lives. You see, these men were fishermen. And uh, the scope of their life experience and their travel was confined to fishing and the regions of Galilee. These were the limitations on their life. The Lord Jesus was about to expand their horizons. And they experienced a change in scenery and a change in service. No longer are these guys going to fish to earn a living. But they're going to seek after souls to earn a crown of life. You see, they get to do something far greater than catching fish. They get to invest in the everlasting, eternal work of God. That's what you're doing. That's what we're here to do as a church. We are here to fish for men. And if we answer the call to follow Jesus, he will make us fishers of men. Wouldn't you think that these are unlikely servants for the new king in the new kingdom? Wouldn't you imagine that maybe he would start by going to uh, the rabbinical schools and finding the scholars of the day? Don't you imagine that maybe he would choose out the successful businessmen or the prominent leaders or the trained administrators. But that's not who Jesus chose, is it? In fact, he didn't choose anybody in the midst of Jerusalem. He went to Galilee. Remember now, that region was uh, filled not only with Jews, but with a multitude of Gentiles. And the Jews in Jerusalem looked upon the Galileans with contempt. But these are the men. They were common men. And Jesus called unto him the common men. Aren't you glad? I don't have a pedigree to offer him. And if I did, it wouldn't be any good to him, would it? You see, Jesus called the common man and he did uncommon things with them. 
And he wants to do uncommon things in your life. He wants to do uncommon things in our church. And by the way, do we believe that God can still do that? Sometimes I, I come to church and I, I wonder, is this, is this it? Is this all we're ever going to do? Are we satisfied with where we are? Are we just going to go through some motions? Or is God going to touch us? Is God going to use us? Is God going to transform us? I hope he's not finished with me. I hope he's not finished with you. He said, follow me and I will make you. Notice we don't make ourselves. He makes us. It's a work of grace that only he can do. And here's Mark, whose predominant audience, as we, as we learned earlier, is the Roman citizen, but primarily the Roman slave. And the Roman slave is intrigued by hearing the news of this new king who will not put them in bondage, but who will deliver them and who will use them to do uncommon things when they've been bypassed all their lives. Jesus calls them to himself. Now Spurgeon, in a sermon, speaking of this text, gives us this quote. And I want you to do your best to listen. When Christ calls us by his grace, we ought not only to remember that what we are, but we ought also to think of what he can make us. It did not seem a likely thing that the lowly fishermen would develop into apostles, that men so handy with the net would be quite as much at home in preaching sermons and instructing converts. One would have said, how can these things be? You cannot make founders of churches out of peasants of Galilee. That is exactly what Christ did. And when we are brought low in the sight of God by a sense of our own unworthiness, we may feel encouraged to follow Jesus because of what he can make us. He went on to say, Oh, you who see in yourselves at present nothing that is desirable. Come you. And follow Christ for the sake of what he can make out of you. Do you not hear his sweet voice calling to you and saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? He said, but if ye go in your own way, with your own net, you will make nothing of it. And the Lord promises you no help in it. Follow him and he will make you fishers of men. But if you do not this, you shall fish in vain. There's nothing more discouraging than going fishing and catching nothing. When the Lord Jesus came to the disciples in Luke chapter 5, they said, Lord, we've toiled all the night and we've taken nothing. 
when we toil in our own pursuits, when we toil in our own power, that is exactly what we take. We take nothing. But when we follow Jesus, when we pursue what is important to Him, when we are empowered by His presence and the fullness of His Spirit, when we walk in the light of His truth, when we invest our dollars and our energies and our time in what is important to Him, He changes us, He transforms us, and He uses us to accomplish great things for Him. And so we see the call that He extended to them. It's an invitation to all of us, follow Him. And we see the change that He made in them and then lastly, we see the commission that he gave to them. The commission that he gave to them. You see, he called them and he changed them because he had something for them to do. <coughs> I want you to know that God has something for our church to do. It's not simply to run the operation. We have a school, we have outreach ministries, we have a, an active church, but in the midst of all of that, we can get so consumed with the operation of it, the procedures, the, fi the financial aspects and, and the financial reports, the activities and the schedules of the day. We can get very consumed with all of that and forget in the midst of it what we're really here to do. I mean, the bottom line of the fishing business is not just simply to operate a fishing business and worry about boat maintenance all the time. The idea of the fishing business is to go fishing. And to catch fish. To feed people. And the idea of the fishing for men business is that we would take the gospel to this community and that all of us would be engaged in it. So many of us are content with a seat on the deck. Watching. As people wrestle with the nets. As people clean the deck, we just like having a seat, being on board the boat. But Jesus wants us to be fishermen. And he's placed us in a particular part of the sea where only we can go so that we might be about his business. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter number three. The Bible says in verse number 14, and he ordained 12 <clears throat> that they should be with him. I like being with Jesus, don't you? And that's the first call on our lives, to be with him. But that's not where it ends, is it? that he might send them forth to do what? 
Say it with me, church. That I might send them forth to. That's us. That's you. You say, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can get a gospel track out of the track rack. And you can tell somebody this week that you'd like for them to come to church. You, you can give somebody a gospel track and you can say, I just, I just want to give you something good to read this week. There's a lot of bad things going on in our world. Here's some good news. You can preach that much, can't you? You see, let's don't forget what this thing's all about. Let's don't forget what God has called us to do. We're here to follow him. And by the way, we won't fish if we're unwilling to follow. And the reason so many of us aren't catching any fish is because we haven't followed him in a while. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He said, I want you to come and be with me. And in that time, what did he do? He taught them his word. He empowered them. And then he sent them to preach the gospel. That's what God has called us to do. I want to tell you the measure of faithfulness of our stewardship as Christians is not determined by our attendance on Sunday morning or by your attendance. It is measured by our activity throughout the week. And if we follow Jesus, we'll have no problem fishing. He will make us fishers of men. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.